0: Lock and Load. This is georgiacarry.org radio with Georgia Carry's executive director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our second amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, executive director of georgiacarry.org, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome to GeorgiaCarrie.org radio hour this beautiful Saturday morning. We're um, downtown Atlanta. We're uh, going to talk today. I have a special guest that's a member of Georgia Carrie. He's been a member just about as long as I have, I believe, since uh, about 2008, coming up uh, close to 10 years now, named Daniel Agramonte. Welcome, Daniel. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Jerry, with you. We're just going to talk a little bit today. Dan's got an awfully, awfully interesting uh, story of his life and his uh, his family's life they were originally from Cuba and we're going to talk about that but we're going to talk about a few other things as well uh, one of the things that I'd like to know is how did you get interested in Georgia Carey well that's, that's an interesting question um, this goes back uh, a
2: long time ago I, um, uh, I guess you could say like so many people I had a renaissance I grew up shooting I, first time I shot a gun I was six years old with my dad my dad had one of the first 300 permits in a dade county florida in miami where i grew up so i was very comfortable with guns i had guns all my life and um the certain event i guess you could say triggered me as they like to say and that event would probably uh be the 2008 election it reminded me uh primarily from talking with my parents about some of the things that can happen to you when um uh, people fall for the for the siren song I guess if you would call it that, of false prophets. Mm -hmm. So uh, that siren song uh, sort of awakened me. I said, you know, I've got all these
1: firearms, and I, I haven't really ever thought that somebody could come take them away from me. And now all of a sudden you see things happening that your folks told you about when you were growing up.
2: Yeah, they, they, they started telling me about these guys that come in with this soaring rhetoric and these incredible things that get everybody excited. And mm-hmm. they make all these grandiose promises. And, and I, you know, I, I tell my wife I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. I started to see the pattern there. And I, I, could, I began to connect the dots. And I said, you know, I think it's time to kind of step forward here a little bit. I'd lived in Georgia at that point. About uh, about eight years, and I uh, hadn't gotten a carry permit. Mm-hmm. And I asked myself, you know, I thought well, I can carry my house, I can carry my car. Why, why, why am I not uh, closing the deal? Mm-hmm. So I began to take certain steps, and one of those steps was to join Georgia Carry. So that you could learn about what was going on. I could get plugged in, and I could become a part of something bigger than me.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm kind of the same way, and I I um, I agree with that. And one of the things, uh, one of the reasons that I ask you on here is because. I tell people all the time, we are really a cross-section of, our members are a cross-section of society. And we have members with very interesting stories, and I try to have them on from time to time. And yours is interesting in uh, uh, where it came from, where you came from, and and the background and so forth. And you came up here, uh, you moved to Georgia, you became an engineer.
2: Yeah, I uh, you know I'm an engineer by trade, I'm twice over. I guess you could say two engineering degrees, yeah. licensed in 25 states. For those uh, keeping score at home, yeah. so I've been doing this for a long time. I mean i uh, i was a, I was a military engineer, mm-hmm. and then after that, I lived in several states. I've lived in nine states, three countries, uh, and uh, having grown up in Miami, I was I was lived in several different places, and then wound up in Georgia. We've been here the longest, my wife and I, my mm-hmm. my bride now of. Uh, over 25 years, right, and uh, and and it's uh it's a great place. And interestingly enough, we moved here from Pennsylvania, which actually has in many ways better gun laws in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went hunting, we did all that stuff. But I thought, you know, this is this is bigger than hunting, right? This transcends that. This gets into other things that could go away.
1: Yeah, the the Second Amendment, agreed, has nothing to do with hunting. But without the Second Amendment, you can't hunt either. That's right. So. That's right. If, you, if you're just in for hunting, you still need to be protecting the, the Second Amendment. Um, but your family, uh, you're originally from—were you born in Cuba or were No, you I, I was born shortly after my parents got okay. here. My parents
2: actually escaped from Cuba in 1963 on a boat. Mm-hmm. They landed in a place in Florida called Isla Morata, Florida. It's just south of Key Largo for those that have been there. And um, they, they risked their lives the week before right. they escaped. Ironically, they escaped on—this uh, is interesting—on July 5th. Um, there had just been a big storm, and the week before, they had caught uh, several people that were trying to leave, and they machine-gunned them and mm. threw them on the dock to rot. where my parents had their boat. Mm. My dad had two factories. They were taken over by the communists. They right. weren't into politics. They were not politicians. They were just uh, middle-class people like anywhere else that had struggled to, 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 to do well in life. Right. They had moved up, uh, had their factories, and the factories, of course, were expropriated, um, which, uh, you know, which means that they were taken away by the government. Right. And um, they, everything they had worked for was taken away. And by the way, their, their guns were taken. They were, uh, after the Bay of Pigs invasion, where Castro tightened the noose, right. you were forced to turn in your gold, you were forced to turn in your firearms, and they changed the bills. Uh, this all happened in a 30-day period. Mm-hmm. So from one day to the next, imagine the money that's in your wallet right now is worth nothing unless you convert it to the new dollars. That's what they did in Cuba. Mm-hmm. So if you were rich, you were not necessarily rich anymore. Right. If you owned a home, it was not your home. It was owned by the government. So they could move, a, move three families into your home. Right. And if you had guns, not anymore. If you had gold, not anymore. At this point, if you still had gold, you were committing a crime. But they were going to take care of you. Well, of course. I mean, the uh, the that's comment the, that— That's Fid- the good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, Fidel Castro said, you know, um, in Spanish, it's armas para que, firearms for what? There was no purpose right. anymore for having firearms in his utopian view. Right. There was no need for that. We were going to take care of you. We were going to protect you. Right. We
1: were your protectors. Yeah, and they did. Yeah, they, they protected did. you. They yeah. protected you from doing almost anything.
2: That's right. They told you where to live, where to work, where to go to school, um, you know, what to do, how to do it, and where to do it and when.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, it, it that doesn't sound like a I mean, it's a great story for you to to tell, but to live through that has got to be horrendous for your folks. Oh, it is. And, I mean, from uh, the time I grandfather.
2: was Yeah, from the time I was as tall as your knee. Um, mm. I heard these stories. In fact, I, I grew up speaking Spanish. I didn't speak a word of English till I was six years old, you know, when I went to first grade in elementary school. Um, so I was steeply immersed in this in Miami. And um, all I heard was, you know, these people do this, these people do that. Um, I mean, you're talking people who were doctors who were forced to go out into the uh, farms with a machete to cut sugarcane. Mm. You know, because, you know, the the success of the system, right? If it was Mm -hmm. that successful, you wouldn't be doing that. Um, So you very quickly began to become sensitized to this kind of 1984 Orwellian, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of new speak. So when you heard this, um, you began to recognize it. You know, it's it's funny because I was just having a conversation. My son is 17 years old. He's a senior in high school. He's graduating this year, going to college next year. And I was talking with him about some of the things that went on in the 1980s. And of course he wasn't alive back then. Right. And he didn't know about these things and we had the old Santayana phrase about those that are that don't learn history are condemned to right. repeat it. Right. And I told him the reason you want to learn these things, I think Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes. The point is, you see these patterns emerging. And they continue to go. Yes, they do. And you become sensitized right. when you live through something like this.
1: Well, we have other uh, Cuban members in here. And, and one, I've known him and his wife for quite some time. And I talked to him about the same time you're referring to, back in uh, 2008 or so. And he told me the very same story that you told me. Not, not what the families went through, but that his grandfather sat there and looked and watched TV, and he said, I've seen this before. This is exactly how the communists came in and took over Cuba. He said, "There, you can see it in the mirror. If you've seen it before, you know exactly what we're talking about. And that was another reason that I, I like talking to you about your story, because it's not just you. There's there's an awful lot of it. There's no telling how many people in this country went through that. I don't know what the number of refugees from uh from Cuba were, but I know it was a large Two number. Two million. I was going to say it, it's up in the millions. I know that. Yeah. Uh, and, in fact, I, I, I will admit that I didn't realize you were Cuban until you told your story. I went to school with a guy back in the 60s that was Cuban, and I didn't know that until about five years ago. I didn't know he was from Cuba. He started, we became friends on Facebook, and he's posting pictures of uh, of Havana, and where he had gone back and visited and all and uh i thought geez well when i when i realized that and put his last name with it i said geez he's cuban i didn't know that i mean not that it mattered yeah it was no, just I mean, interesting we, story
2: we're all americans you know and sure. uh and i'll have to tell you here in a few minutes uh one of the guys that i work with is from romania mm-hmm. and he had a similar story of escaping from romania and it's scary to hear the parallels between what they went through mm-hmm. and what we went through?
1: Well, my, my uh, father in law was first generation American. Uh, he was, uh, his dad was a Russian immigrant, and he came over during the Bolsheviks and landed in, uh, up, well, he wound up in uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and uh, that's where my father in law was born and raised. And then, then he uh, came to Texas during World War II and met my mother in law, and they started dating. And the next thing you know, they furnished me with a wife. That I didn't know about at the time, but it didn't take me long once I met her to figure that part out. But uh, uh, there's so many stories, there's so many interesting stories of people who've gone through similar situations in similar countries that you wonder, you look at people that were born over here in America and you think, what's wrong with you? You know, you just... They just don't understand. It,
2: it speaks to the brilliance of somebody like Reagan saying we're only one generation away from That's losing crazy. it. That's right. You know, even exactly though he right. you know, was long, you know, long-term American right. you know, for many generations. right?
1: Well, we're coming up to the end of the first segment here. I want to remind you to go to org, our website. You can join. You can renew. You can check and see anything. If you're not familiar with us, you read that website, and you will be familiar with us. Uh, you can go to you can also get our uh, podcast there you can go to news talk 1160.com and uh, get the uh, commercial free broadcast uh, you can follow us at georgiacarry.org or at georgiacarry on twitter we will be right back
0: and now back to org radio with org's executive director, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome back to org radio. I'm here with my good friend and org member Daniel Agramonti. And also, i tell you once more that uh, Marshall Parker is running the board for us. They still haven't given me the key to the locker room yet. Uh, so, we were talking beforehand, you you wanted to talk about a friend of yours, you said, from Romania, I believe, that went through a similar ser- story. Yeah,
2: it, it's amazing. I actually worked with him. Engineer, as my same birthday, was born exactly 10, 10 years before me to the date. Mm. And, um, you know, we were talking, he, uh, he actually left Romania, went to Germany. Um, so then he came to the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, uh, went to New York. So he kind of settled in New York, and then he moved down to Atlanta
1: later. He decided he wanted to be a free man, so he moved from New York to Atlanta.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I, I guess he was going through maybe like, um, you know how they do with the divers, they kind of right. take in decompression, so he was <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> decompressing from Romania finally to Atlanta yes. by way of New York. Um, and the interesting thing was, it was the same thing, he began to realize that they had been duped.
1: Mm-hmm. They had
2: been duped in Romania under the communists. We're talking now, you know, 1980s here, so uh the 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 wall or the iron curtain fell in nineteen ninety one right ironically Romania is where it started uh with, with Ceausescu, but we started talking about Ceausescu and um and his palaces I think it was at one point or maybe it still is the supposedly was going to be the largest building in the world. And we started to, to draw the analogies between that and you know Fidel Castro, Ceausescu, mm-hmm. probably like you could draw with uh, Kim Jong Un in, in North Korea. Now mm-hmm. um, you have this cult of personality. You have this bigger than life sort of paternalistic. I'll take care of you. I know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And again, stop me when this sounds familiar. You know we'll, we have we have all your answers to all, all right. the answers, to all your questions. We're better than you are. Right. We know what's good for you. You don't need to worry about living your life. Well, right. We've got all the answers right here right. behind door number one. And we
1: don't want you to have to sweat. We don't want you to have to work hard. We don't want you yeah. to worry about anything because yeah. we're going to take care That's of right. it. That's right. And and, yeah. and I guess when you get right down to it, you know, one of the things that I noticed uh, before the 2000 election was how many times the word fair was used. It's not fair. We have to make it fair for everybody. Well, I learned back in the in the early 50s from my daddy that life ain't fair. It is what you make it, and nobody's going to go out and make it any different for you. No, that's exactly right. And when people start saying, I'm going to make it fair for you, when it gets fair for everybody, everybody's miserable. It's the only way it can be fair.
2: That's exactly right. It becomes a race to the bottom. My my parents came here for not equal outcome but equal opportunity, Mm -hmm. so for a shot. They didn't come here for a guaranteed outcome. Nobody knows what the guaranteed outcome is going to be. I mean, that's not what they were here for. They never took a dime of public assistance. They were able-bodied. They were offered it. They, uh, there's a building in Miami that's kind of become a famous icon now called the Freedom Tower. Where they, that was kind of the Cuban um, Ellis Island. That's where they processed mm-hmm. them when they came mm-hmm. in. They were obviously political refugees um, when they came here seeking asylum. And they were offered a, you know, food and a handout. And my parents said, look, we're able-bodied adults. Right. We don't need your help. Right. We just came here for an opportunity. Right. We'll take it from here. So hand us the baton, and we'll run with it from here.
1: And that's the way it should be. That's That's the way it should be, and that's that's how I was raised. There's nothing wrong with helping somebody or taking uh, help from somebody. But when you try to live off of them and mooch off of them when you can't do anything, yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, th- there's I, I an ag- just, yeah, there's I a don't cliche. don't go along with that
2: one. You're right that there's a cliche that you want to hand out. You know, it's not a handout; it's a hand, hand up. up. But uh, it reminds me, you know, we've we've got some rental houses, and I had a tenant who was on Section Eight. She'd been on Section Eight for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, after 20 years, you retire from the military, right? So at that point, it's a lifestyle; it's a way of sure. life. This is not at this point a hand up. This is right. a handout. Yes, and obviously that that many of us find that abhorrent because. It's it's not the American way. It's That's not correct. how this country was built. Yes,
1: I agree with that one hundred percent. I know uh, you mentioned your son earlier, Daniel Jr. Good kid, by the way. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you, you did a good job. We're with very that. proud of him. Thank uh, you. I know that. Uh, and I I was looking through the uh, through the membership list today just for various reasons, and I happened to see Daniel and Daniel Agrimonte in there as members. And I looked and said, "Wait a minute! I hope one of these is Junior because I, I, if not, somebody's messed up Daniel's membership." So yeah. I looked into each one of them in there and it said, "Down at the bottom, somebody wrote this is Dan Junior." Uh, the reason I brought him up is because every time I've met him, it seems like he knows more about firearms than I do, and that most people do. And I think he could probably teach even you a little bit about firearms. I, I'm, yeah. He is—he is what. He is <laughs> Sharp or what kind of fire he wants to carry. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming that he's probably a pretty good shot. He's a very good shot. Him and I participate, actually, in long-range competitions.
2: Oh, yeah? Uh, something called F-Class. Um, in fact, we've got a match coming up in Alabama the 28th of this month. Um, so he'll be there with me. Good. He's been shooting them with me for years now, five, four or five years. Um and how old is he? He is 17 now. Okay. He'll be studying mechanical engineering at the University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the engineer gene, very good with math, very good with numbers, and he's also just very good with knowledge. He loves to learn about everything. Mm-hmm. He's done very well. He was a president of his band. He's he's played. Uh, he plays a, a musical instrument. He's played in Carnegie Hall really? already. Um, and he's uh, everything uh, from that to, to being involved with uh, – latin competitions he's just got a he's got a, a tremendous thirst for knowledge good and uh very um very focused extreme you know, very much a straight laced kid um doesn't doesn't want you know is always focused on doing the right thing so uh i i'm actually the one that corrupts him a little bit and i tell him to ease up and remember <laughs> you're, you're 17 you get to do certain things at 17 that right that the us older guys maybe really can't right. you still need to be a kid so make sure you go moment. do them yeah so He'll I'm the, I'm the one that yeah, – I, I say it in, in kind of air quotes that I'm corrupting him, but I'm, I'm just trying to let him kind of ease up a little bit. Well, you care. don't want
1: him to to spend his life with his nose in a book. You want him to realize yeah. that there's other things. Yeah, that, well, he, he actually set, he set up a
2: couple it. of uh, brass ensembles at a school recently <laughs> oh, really? on his own, completely on his own, and I told him, I said, hey, this is not music. This is leadership. Yep. This is what this country needs. That's correct. Your, sk- your skill in doing this should be something that you understand isn't a technical thing. It's a personality thing. And these are the kind of things that, looking forward, yeah. we want to leave the country in the hands of people like you.
1: Yes, I you agree know, with so that. So you can carry really the so.
2: carry the, the the torch for us because uh, one of the things that as we get older, you know, we tend to do is worry what we're going to be leaving for our, our, our upcoming mm-hmm. generations. Right. And to see somebody who understands that and can carry it forward— is a heartening thing as opposed to disheartening. Oh, yes, I agree with that.
1: I agree with that. Well, I met him uh, uh, one, I think the first time I met him, it could have been at the Georgia Carey Convention, but the one that impressed me, that that impresses on my mind, not that he impressed me anymore one place or the other, was uh, one night when we were on Armed American Radio, and he came over, had dinner with us because he loved Armed American Radio. He had had to be in there while we were doing it, and he sat in and had a... Had a good time. I think Mark mentioned he was there, and yeah, it was a cool thing, uh, and he enjoyed it. And I, I remember when we had dinner just before that. Uh, I was sitting there just. I think he was controlling the conversation. <laughs> and we were listening to him, and I was learning more about farms than I knew existed. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just been one of those kids that uh, he's apparently one that when he uh, when he finds something that he wants to do. If he's interested in it, you may – it's like some of the people that I've I've worked with and talked to. You go in and talk to them about a subject, and you can tell they don't know too much about it. But the next time you see them, they will know more about that subject than you do because they got interested in it. They were checking you out to see if you really knew what you were talking about, and then they go and – Find out what's going on.
2: Yeah, it's exciting to see kids um, that have that thirst for knowledge because you know it's funny. Um, I mentioned earlier about the '80s, and the reason the, the reason that that this came up with him was I mentioned May Day, mm-hmm. and they don't teach kids in school these days what May Day is, and they certainly don't teach about the um, the, the parades they have in communist countries right. and in diff- different places. You know, under the auspices of being for the worker, obviously it's for the it's for the party. It's not for the workers. And um, I said uh, – and that's where the comment came in about, hey, you need to learn about this. because You know, this may come back again, and if it starts to come back and, – and my parents – this goes back to the thing with Cuba. My parents tell me about how the, um, they, they used the unions to turn against the government because mm-hmm. one of the concepts in the communist countries is – is to pit one group against the other, the the old uh, Roman uh, divide and conquer thing. Mm-hmm. You pit, you know, and and this is another thing that we have to be sensitive with as we begin to see the signs: the blacks against the whites, right. the haves against the have-nots, the poor's against the poor against the rich, right. the labor unions against management. That's so, um, one of the first things that they did in Cuba, though, is they abolished the unions. And if you remember, in Poland in nineteen 19- in the late 1980s, that's where the uh, that's what fomented a lot of the uh, angst in Poland was the Gdańsk shipyards, and mm-hmm. that's where like Walesa came from. He was a union leader, yeah, and that caused them to push and, and get going. There' pretty amazing stuff when you start seeing how that divisiveness and things like maybe oh, yeah. which can be a ruse yeah. to play.
1: And you know, uh, we can talk about it in the next section segment, but uh, one of the things that that entered my mind at the time is we were very close in my opinion, to stepping over that line to allowing our government to do basically what they did in Cuba and other countries. Yeah. Had we not uh, elected Donald Trump, I think we would have been in very sad yeah. shape. Yep. Uh, we're coming to the end of the second section here, second segment. Um, I want to remind you to go to org, Join up if you're not a member. You can find out everything we've done. Uh, you can also renew online. Uh, you can follow us at Georgia Carey. You can follow me at Got Your Back 64 on Twitter. And uh, you can also go to get the commercial free podcast at Newstalk1160.com. We'll be right back.
0: And now, back to georgiacarry.org radio with georgiacarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome back to georgiacarry.org radio. I'm here again in the studio with uh, Daniel Agramonte. and uh, we've discussed a little bit of politics. We're going to talk a little bit about guns as well here in a few minutes, but uh, as I stated just before the commercial break, uh, It's my opinion that we were very close to – this country was very close to going through the same thing that uh, Cuba went through and Romania, etc. as we've discussed earlier, because I believe another eight years of the progressive uh, government, the progressives running the government, we would have been right on the slope if we hadn't already slid off into that same same pit.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, if you look at – in one fell swoop – with something like Obamacare, you're now controlling one sixth of our economy. Just like so that, so there's only so many of those six out there. I mean, there's five more left. So you you know what they didn't say was um, when when that happened. I think it was late 2016. I read somewhere that the number of people working in government was now more than the right. number of people working in manufacturing.
1: Well, in the last eight years, that's the only growth that there's been in the economy exactly. has been in the uh, uh, public sector. Yeah,
2: so so when you say that you took um, one-sixth of the economy and, and you pushed it in this direction, at least one more of those six, maybe one and a half of those six was right. the government sector. So that only leaves so much. And, and if you look at the goose that lays the golden eggs, you know, you, you look at the folks, because, again, the government has no money. The right. only money the government has
1: is what, is what we give them through taxes you. and fees and,
2: and, and things like that. Um, essentially, they're, they're looking at taking that money from somewhere. And when that money comes from somewhere and they use it for what they use it, it's filtering through them. That's They're correct. calling the shots. And if you look at an executive branch, again, the concept of separation of powers, and you've got an executive branch that now is finding very um, innovative ways right. to not, – not, not, not to bring back jobs, not to grow no. our economy, but to figure out how they can operate without using the consent of Congress That's or correct. keeping the judiciary out of the mix – Right, you're really or controlling to, the judiciary is oh, what absolutely. they were trying to do as well. Right, it, and that's yeah. one of
1: the things that's bothering us right now is because of the fact that there are some of these, so many of these progressive judges that have been appointed, that no matter what happens, you know, you can go find a progressive judge to turn it over. No, I, I was and, shocked at some of the decisions. One of the
2: uh, courts that used to be one, uh, the most pro-gun in the country was the Fourth Circuit, mm-hmm. and we see this decision coming out of um, out of Virginia where somebody can be stopped you look at the. I thought it was funny, easy to remember the Fourth Amendment and the Fourth Circuit. You've got you've got a very strong, um, a huge protection in this country through the Fourth Amendment. I'm not an That's attorney, correct. but the fact that you can you know be secure in your possessions and your belongings and not feel accosted by the police or by officials, whoever those may have to be, other than if you're a Tea Party organization, is is one of the hallmarks of American uh, culture and society.
1: Yes, but now, now just because you have a gun, you're you're considered to be a big criminal.
2: Yeah, it, it's um, it, it. It almost comes back. I mentioned uh, Orwell earlier. How about Animal Farm? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some rights are are, are more rightier than others. Right. You know, this this is like a second class right. Sure. Um, these other rights, well, no, don't mess with the press. If yeah. we took away, I think I, I saw this in an ad the other day. If they made you, if they made it illegal to um, read the New York Times in ten states, there'd be there'd be oh, a, yeah. a complete outcry. You're exactly right. But it's a, a, ostensibly illegal uh for folks to own firearms are very difficult to carry them out in public right. in 10 states and That's nobody's correct. making an, an issue and of nobody it.
1: nobody cares about that and they're they're yeah. not well people care about it because there are people that are fighting yeah. one of the one of the fortunate things that the, uh, for us compared to some of the other states is we're able to still uh, go on the offense when it comes time for the general assembly we there are still things that we want and we're still going to continue to be able to go get those uh however if you talk to some of the people in new jersey uh, New York State, uh, various others, uh, Delaware, Maryland. When you talk to those people, you find they're playing defense. They're, they've yeah. had a good year if they don't get more gun control piled on top of it's,
2: them. It's amazing. It's amazing because, you know, I was. Uh, it's interesting because I, I work for, you know, I'm not going to say the name, but I work for an engineering firm that's based in Syracuse, New York. Now, mm-hmm. Syracuse, New York by itself is actually a pretty normal place. Right. But they're they're sort of attached to the hip to New York City. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like my wife is from Urbana, Illinois. Unfortunately, they're attached to Chicago. Right. So they're uh, the, the guy calling the shot in those cases is either Chicago or New York, respectively. And um, we were working with some of the guys from our firm down down here um, in in, uh, in Georgia with some of the guys that work for me, younger guys. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we usually do, we call it a, a staff meeting. We go to the local range, and we take a bunch of ARs, and we go shooting. Right, We do that for lunch. It's a great right. way to blow off steam. Sure. And um, they, we did that with the guys from New York, and they couldn't believe that we could do that. Because in New York, you're not allowed to own a normal AR. Right. In fact, about a month and a half later, I received a package in the office and it was uh, 10 AR magazines, 30-round magazines. They needed to go to a, a good home because as of, because I want to say it was January 30th of 2016, it was illegal to own those in right, New York State. Right. It's That's amazing. Exactly right.
1: And, and, you know, one of the things I say about that, when they start ta- trying to control your am- ammo, uh, you don't need more than 10 bullets. Well, I have never heard of anybody in any kind of gunfight anywhere, whether it's a war whether it's a gunfight on the street or anything else when it's over with say geez, i wish i hadn't had all those bullets no it's it's amazing cuz i I've, I've heard people say
2: why do you need that many bullets right. and i'll say well why do you need to vote right and it's a simple response and now they'll, they'll they'll get insulted immediately well it's my right walson well it's, yeah, my right too. it's my right too well, who's to say you don't need 700 horsepower in your mustang or 150 or 50
1: well if you're if you're in a uh, some kind of a, a argue, or some kind of fight and you need uh, ammo, you need at least one more than what they have. That's right. And you never know what that number is to exactly. start out because they don't call you up and say, hey, I'm going to be there with 47 bullets. Oh, well, good. I'll be there with 48. We don't get that option. It's they amazing. They just show up and it starts, and then you need to, to do whatever you want to or whatever you have to. I have a, a friend that's a, a retired Atlanta policeman, and he said that uh, he used to, when he first became a cop, matter of fact, I believe he, he always did, but he always carried about four or five extra magazines. And he said, they got into a gunfight one night with some guy that, that had a rifle and a whole bunch of, of ammo. And he said, I was laying down there shooting back. And he said, everybody was hollering at me wanting one of my magazines. Although they had made fun of him before and they wanted one of his magazines because they were out. Well, obviously he, 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 kept him until he was through he didn't, That's right. he That's didn't right. share it with them and the next time that that was their lesson you need more ammo you don't know how much you're going to yeah. need take it and it's that way yeah um
2: it's amazing. it's funny how that works we were at a range shooting a match about three four years ago and uh i opened up my range bag and there i've got my first aid kit sitting on top and the guys were making fun of me mm-hmm. lo and behold one of the guys was shooting and he got a little bit too close to his scope yeah and it bit him Yep, and if you know anybody that's cut themselves shaving, knows how much facial wounds bleed. Oh yeah, and uh, nobody was laughing about my first aid kit. And all and this is a a private club that we're a member of. And uh, lo and behold, the following week there was a uh, there was a first aid kit at each one of the little
1: stations on the range. Yeah, we had a uh, every uh, year now they have a a shoot a legislative shoot where several of the the groups, the NRA, we uh, a couple other groups. Uh, Georgia uh the Wildlife Federation, those guys we sponsor a shoot uh, over at Stoddard's and after a session or after uh, one of the days uh meetings they run over to the to the range and shoot and have dinner and you know just talk and go on and we weren't there any time until somebody he came in holding his you know his his thumb between his his other thumb and forefinger well. He got bit by the slide. <laughs> I mean, it was, he was embarrassed, but, you know, those things happen. So, yeah, yeah you never know when you're going to need a Band-Aid. It's right. like you never know when you're going to need another bullet. That, that's right. one of
2: the responsibilities, I think, uh, one of the ancillary responsibilities of the Second Amendment is understanding a little bit about first aid and, you know, just really, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, driving a car and yeah. knowing how to change a
1: tire. Yeah, and it's also uh, about responsibility as well as it is anything else. Sure. Well, you um, know,
2: uh, b- back to responsibility, <laughs> m- many of us are young and are, uh, old enough to have been taught when we were young that with every right comes a right, responsibility. Right.
1: And that's something I want to touch on, too, because one of the things that I see today is that people, uh, they say, I have the right to do this, but they don't realize that just because they have the right, they can't infringe on my right or your right. And that, that is why people do a lot of the stupid things that they do, because they've never been really taught what rights are. Yeah. And uh, then we've got uh, Bloomberg out trying to buy our rights, and and what I don't understand about people who follow Bloomberg and want to want to try to take away our rights, of course they don't want to take away our rights. They believe in the Second Amendment. They just don't want you to have guns. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, but my question to them is very simple: When he gets the Second Amendment, what rights going to be next? Are you going to be it, willing yeah. to give up the rest of them because that's where it's headed? If you well, there, give there, up one, he can buy them all.
2: There's the right to consume salt, the right to consume soda, the right that's to correct. smoke cigarettes. You know, it's funny because I've noticed a pattern over the last few years where you've got somebody who will say, "I don't smoke, but I'm okay with others that do." Right. And I, and I I typically find that those of us who are of a little bit more conservative bent. Tend to think more and more like that. People, sure. people you know, attribute that to, to libertarianism. Right. right. I think it's just a, a kind of a live and let live perspective.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, just because you don't like firearms doesn't mean that I shouldn't have one. No. Same thing.
2: It's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. You know, right. you've got a situation where I've always wondered why a guy in Washington, D.C., cares if a guy in, in Wyoming has a right. firearm. The guy in Wyoming doesn't care if the guy in D.C. has one or not. Yep. He, he may recommend have, he get he one because he lives he in D.C. That's correct. He can have whatever <laughs> he wants.
1: We're going up to the end of this section, and uh, we will be uh, joining you after I remind you that uh, you can go to newstalk1160.com, get the uh, commercial free podcast. Go to georgiacary.org, join up, and see what's going on, and we'll be right back.
0: And now, back to georgiacary.org radio with georgiacary.org's executive director, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome back to georgiacary.org radio. Uh, We're going to talk a few bit, here on this last segment about uh, gun bills that are going on right now. Uh, I understand Daniel was at the NRA meeting last week, as were Georgia Carey with our booth when we signed up an awful lot of people. Uh, Had a really good show. We had, uh, there's no telling how many people stopped by. I know we signed up 120-something new members, Uh, and um, so we had a good show we all had numerous people from other states coming by and asking questions and and all. It was it was very good. And I understand you went to see the president speak.
2: Yeah, no, it was it was. Uh, I guess uh, my wife and I are a little bit junkies. There's this uh, network called Right Side Broadcasting, and all last summer, almost every night, we would turn them on and watch and see what he was saying, and kind of got to see sort of the uh, evolution of the revolution as it unfolded, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know. He went from, you know, sort of freewheeling to using a teleprompter, I think. Really, it was more as a disciplined thing. And we wanted to see what it would be like to actually see him in person. Uh-huh. And it was fantastic. Uh, my wife was very impressed with David Clark. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, we we had a number of other speakers. Unfortunately, uh, Nathan Deal wasn't there, but we did get the uh, the new Senator Luther Strange from uh, from Alabama there. We did have uh, David Perdue, who I got to meet actually at a Georgia Carrier recruiting event back uh, two years ago now. Right. I think it was the Fulton County Barbecue, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and uh, to get to meet him there. It's kind of interesting because if you're a Georgia Carry member recruiting, you just never know who you're going to meet. That's I got correct. to meet Karen Handel about four years ago at, yeah, a, at a barbecue event, and uh, I've got a picture of myself uh, with a 5'7 on my side standing right next to the governor deal mm-hmm. uh, back in 2010. Yeah. So you just never know who's going to come in and, and try to get our vote. Oh, yeah. Certainly, uh, we are recognized, you know, it's just amazing to me, we've, we've got somewhere around 775,000 folks with a Georgia weapon carry license. Right. Um, it's amazing to me, we should have, you know, 100,000 Georgia carry members. We should. You know, I mean it's it's just like you see the NRA, you've got probably anywhere from 150 to 300 million gun owners in right. this country. And we should have 50 million members of least, the NRA at least. And nobody least. nobody in this country would lift a finger without talking to the NRA or in Georgia, Georgia Care, if we had that many people oh, yeah. involved. And people say it's amazing. People say, "How do I get involved? What do I do? I don't know what to do." You know how you do? You get out and get involved get with one of these grass-roots exactly right. organizations and you go to festivals you go recruit people you talk to the public you find out what people are talking about and and, and you don't need to be pushy no. but you but you listen to them and you carry the message you say look did you know because there's so many myths out there so many oh, yeah. misconceptions oh, yeah. You don't want to appear like uh, Cliff Clavin on Cheers with all these facts and all these things. But, you know, you you want to be very matter-of-fact and engage people and get them to understand what's going on.
1: And that's one of the things that we have preached since we started was to to get involved, get to know your representative, get to know your elected officials, get to know all of them, uh, and contact them when necessary. Now, there are people that send out, as you know, emails saying, contact the governor and tell him to sign a bill to allow this when there's not a bill. Those do no good, as you well know. Yeah. We we uh, watch what's going on. When we need help from the members, we contact them. We tell them, make these calls, make these, these, uh, send these emails, these letters, make sure that they know what we want. And we have been very successful in the last uh, 10 years, uh, in fact. I believe, I was counting up the other day, I believe we've passed nine bills. We've had two vetoed last year, so we've had... Uh, seven, and they've, they've all been good gun bills. They've, they, we've got seven now with uh, two waiting to be signed or vetoed, which um, HB 292, which is the omnibus bill, uh, which is basically the same bill that was signed or that was vetoed last year as HB 1060. Yep, I remember and that. And the reason that that was uh, vetoed last year, according to what the governor told us, was that uh, the... Representatives had, or the General Assembly had, promised him that they wouldn't make any changes in churches, and that bill made a small change, which would allow churches to be private property, which they are. Last time I in checked, in fact. It, huh? uh, but uh, we still have that that same penalty hanging over us. So yeah, that was taken out this year. So we expect him to sign that bill, and then, of course, we got <coughs> the campus carry bill, uh, which is also waiting on his desk. And my understanding is he has to the end of Tuesday, to sign or veto those bills.
2: Yeah, we, we have a very um, distinct um, situation in Georgia. We're one of only two states that I'm aware of uh, in the last four or five years where you've had a Republican governor actually veto a pro-gun right. bill. The other state, of course, right. is South Dakota, where, where the governor there twice vetoed uh, permitless carry. Right. So it's, it's really an amazing thing to see. Um, a governor that's come out and said, "I will sign any bill that comes to my desk that's pro Second Amendment," right. and not then do be, so. And then be, um, veto them. So um, I, I guess we could let bygones be bygones, and and we'll we'll support. You know the, the you know the governor. Obviously, you don't want to create a um, enough room or enough air under your wings. It was great to see Vernon Jones oh, endorsing. Yes. Both HB 280 and 292. Right. Um, Speaking it,
1: from the well of the House, in fact, on, yeah. the, on the, the 280.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's interesting to note that, you know, I mentioned the national, me- uh, the annual meetings for the NRA. Um, last time I, sh- I checked, uh, Sheriff David Clark uh, was elected as a, as a Democrat mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. So right. if you're not careful, Somebody will run to your right.
1: Well, you know, we've always uh, supported. There are Democrats in the House and, and Senate that we've supported for years because they support us. And there are portions. I, matter of fact, I made the statement one time about uh, we were uh, endorsing a particular Democrat, and because he votes for gun rights, or he or she—I don't remember which one it was—but uh, a person who lived in that part of the state said, "Well, if they didn't, they wouldn't be there." <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Yeah. But if you go to some of these state, these areas in the state, you will vote yeah. pro gun, or you you won't get elected. So, yeah. uh, you know, just because they're they're one or the other doesn't mean they're going to be on our side or not on our side. That's right. It depends on what what their commitment is to the Second Amendment and to all our rights. Because and they to me, take if for you're granted not, as gun owners, right. I mean, and as a
2: uh, the pro Second Amendment community, I mean, we've. You know, cuts a, a broad swath. I mean, sure you've seen does. organizations like the Pink Pistols out there. Right. You've seen, um, it's it's it, you know, you've got JPFO. Right. Um, you know, again, I, I think to put people into buckets and say they have to behave a certain way, again, it goes back to the previous discussions about communism and Marxism. Right. But to really understand the common thing that we're all Americans, we're all in this together, I think, is really to get, get the message.
1: Well, I think one of the things about gun owners is— in reality, in, in my opinion, in a lot of places, and Georgia was probably one of them, uh, there's a lot of people who are gun owners that were kind of closet gun owners. You didn't know that other people carried until Georgia Carey came out and started talking about, we can do all this. and Or you'd be sitting around and, and somebody would say something about their firearm and you go, Oh, you 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 carry a pistol? Oh, yeah, I, everywhere I go. Well, me too. Well, you didn't know it, but you've been friends with a guy for ages. Yeah. And why do you carry that?
2: Uh, are you afraid yeah. of something <laughs> happening here? You know, like, like I, I was uh, – it was ironic. I was at a conference last month in uh, South Carolina, and I was talking to a gentleman who is originally from Croatia. He lives in L.A., and he's actually a very strong libertarian. And, uh, and I got to see him kind of getting beat up by a guy from Canada and another guy from New Jersey at the conference who were making fun of him for being pro-Second Amendment. Mm. And I finally told him, I said, listen, the, the way you answer their question is you never take debate the when they say, why do you carry a gun? Are right. you afraid of a gunfight? Yeah. The way you answer that is really simple. Why do you have a fire extinguisher in your house? Right. Are you afraid of a fire? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you have a spare tire in your car? Are you afraid of a flat?
1: Right. Why do you have uh, fire insurance on your house? Yeah, and,
2: and, and you don't Grade take the burden? tire out of your car nope. if you're going to go drive on a new piece of road. No. You uh, you, know, you you know leave that spare tire in there. And if you're going to order sushi or take out Chinese food, you don't throw away your fire extinguisher. You leave it right in the same That's place correct. in the kitchen where it always sits. That's
1: correct. Um, just a, a quick thought before we close over here. Um, what do you think of the uh, campus carry bill? I mean, I know it's less than what we wanted. Yeah. But – I think it's a good foot in the door. I
2: I agree completely. I mean, it's you're never going to get everything you want, but you have to have incremental process. We had progress. We had we had a governor uh, in the in the uh, you know in the Gold Dome uh six years ago who who said we would never get church carry right and we we have something now we have our foot in the door he, i believe he felt the same way about campus carry, and i believe the handwriting is on the wall we're making the progress we're we're, we're breaking that 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 and, that, and, that that wall down one brick at a time and
1: part of the reason that we've done is because we've shown that that gun owners are responsible yeah the the people who are going to go to the trouble of having background checks, et cetera, and getting licenses, they're not the ones that are going to commit the crime. The blood the is not running gonna, in the streets. That's correct. You and know, and contrary to popular
2: been. belief, you have now between 12 and 14, depending on which definition of uh, permitless carrier you use, and the blood is not running in the streets it's not of Vermont or New Hampshire anywhere. or it's North not. Dakota or even Arizona.
1: No, the, only, the blood is, being, is that's running is running because of the criminals. It's not the NRA it's members. not us, that's correct. It's the, not the Georgia, Georgia carrier members either. So, we, um, I want to thank you for being here today. My I've buddy. had an enjoyable discussion with you as I knew I would, otherwise, I wouldn't ask you to come. Uh, I want to remind everybody one more time org. Our, our name is our website. You can find out about the laws, you can find anything we've done, you can join, you can uh, um, renew, you can follow us at GeorgiaCary uh, on Twitter. I'm at Got Your Back 64. And we will see you next week when my guest will be Luke Crawford from the Students for Concealed Carry on Campus.
0: Thanks for listening to Georgiacarry.org radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Georgiacarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Georgiacarry.org radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only, on News Talk 1160, the
2: talk of the town.